This is Art Matters. I'm Farron Gibson. This podcast is produced by Art UK, the online home of the UK's art collections. Visit us at artuk.org to browse through thousands of artworks from around the nation. You can also follow us on your favorite social channel on the handle artuk.org, spelling out the word dot. Finally, it's my duty to remind you to be sure to leave us a rating and subscribe to this podcast. That's how you'll find out first about things like today's special bonus episode. There's a new film out titled Mrs. Lowry and Son telling the story of beloved Mancunian artist L.S. Lowry and his relationship with his mother. The film is directed by Adrian Noble, while Lowry is played by Timothy Spall, and Vanessa Redgrave plays his mom, Elizabeth. The film centers on the dynamics of their relationship, which we'll explore in the conversation to follow. But first, I'd like to offer a brief bio on the artist. From around age 18, Lowry attended the Manchester School of Art, where he trained under French Impressionist Pierre Vallette. He carried on studying at art schools on and off for the next 20 years while working as a rent collector. Lowry became enamored with painting the industrial landscapes and the interesting characters of his surrounding environment, and eventually had his first one-man show in London in 1939, which helped to propel his career. Now, many of his works are on display at the Lowry Gallery in Salford, and in 2013, he had his first major retrospective at Tate Britain. He was quite a prolific artist with nearly 400 of his works available to browse on the Art UK website. For the exciting release of Mrs. Lowry and Son, I had a chat with director Adrian Noble about the relationship between the artist and his mother and Adrian's visual inspiration for the film. What follows is a largely unedited conversation, so please enjoy. Thank you again for joining me. I think what would be a good place to start is why you were interested in particular in directing this film about Lowry. Well, I had been working with the author Martin Hesford on a movie about Danny LaRue, the drag artist, but we couldn't raise the finances on it. And then I'd heard about this, I'd heard about this story. It was a play, and actually my wife went to see it and, and, and said, actually, it's a really, really good story. Very dynamic. And so I read the screenplay and I was asked to direct it. And I thought this could make a really lovely feature film, so I I accepted it, and and it seemed and and it and it's and it's proved to be the case. Really, really, really rewarding film uh, in the sense that it it explores in great depth this extraordinary relationship between the artist and his mother, and it it sheds light on his work as well. But it's not it's it's not an it's not an art it's it's not a film about it's not art art criticism it's not a film of art criticism you know it's 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 about it's about the relationship between two human beings and how that impacts upon him as an artist which is a rather crucially different thing i think you mentioned um kind of theater which i think is interesting because i know a lot of the work you've done is in theater and much of the film takes place kind of within his mother's bedroom and it reminds me a bit of how a play might play out. It was, was that kind of an influence in the way you handled the film treatment? Well, it was. It, it seemed, I, I, you know, once it, one sort of immediately think, oh, well, is it, a, is it a movie or is it just a play on screen? And I think actually it's a movie because the central, the central drama of the picture is this intense 
extraordinary, almost abusive relationship between a mother and his son, and and, and it takes place in one room, and you're locked in this room. <laughs> and occasionally you go up to the attic, and occasionally you go out, but you're locked in the room. Yeah. And so the meaning of it is in the fact that it's in one one set. You know, like the meaning of rear window is that it's it's in one it's in one room yeah, at the back yeah. of his house. You know, you don't think, well, why doesn't he go? Why didn't he go for a walk? Or why don't yeah. we yeah. probably see him down the with his well, you know, down the down, down the cafe or anything. You know, the the meaning of of, of Mrs. Lowry and Son is that claustrophobic relationship. And so the film is it's titled Mrs. Lowry and Son, which strikes me because the the focus, therefore, in my mind, is on Mrs. Lowry in that, um, and and less so on you know her famous son. And so I wondered why is it that you chose to do or the the writer chose to do a film centered around their relationship and her role rather than just on him and his artwork well th- there is another sort of, sort of cultural pun if you like in the title in the sense that um, you can imagine a grocery store or a butcher's shop in sure. the 1920s called yeah. um Mr Smith and Son you know so Mrs Lowry and Son it's a rather it's a rather it's a cultural pun you know yes in, yeah in but the Part of, I mean, the, the the character of Mrs. Lowry is, it's a titanic part. I mean, it's she 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 has a massive personality, which Vanessa fills to you know every drop of of, of imagination goes in goes into her the creation of, of of that character, and she was this huge influence on this great artist and so it seemed to be appropriate that we explore it but also it's unexpected the relationship is, is completely unexpected it's it's as i say it's a it's 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 almost abusive she she imprisons him mm. she tries to curtail his personality his artistic personality she tries to cut it off in fact and so it's all the more surprising that he became this great artist, but th- th- there's there's a there's a dynamic relationship between that claustrophobia and the sp- the artistic and intellectual space that he creates upstairs in the attic, yes. and, and that seemed to be a really interesting dynamic. And 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 also the character of Mrs. Lowry is is fascinating because Mrs. Lowry is a Victorian. She was born in the nineteenth century, and so she she's on the she's uncomfortable in the twentieth century. Added to which, she's on the cusp, on the frontier between working class and lower upper middle class. And yes, that seems very, to be a real struggle for her. In a, the very, a real struggle, but it yes. is for millions of people who look mm. out of their window and they think, "How did you get that car?" How can you afford that? I can't afford to buy books for my kids. How did you, you know, this terrible thing of of poverty and and and, and she finds it really, really um, damaging to herself. And in a way, she kind of takes it out on her son. Yeah, I think I found her. She was she was an interesting character in the film because every time I thought maybe I had her figured out, she would do something 
totally opposite to what I thought was going on. And so she really changes throughout the film. You never can quite pin her oh, down. I think that's terrific you thought that. I'm really, really, and Vanessa would be thrilled to hear you say that. Well, I th- yeah, there were points where I thought, oh, she just wants to keep him close to her. And that's why she's like this. But then she would do something else. And I'm like, no, she's definitely pushing him away. I mean, it's interesting that 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 she was, of course, or I should say, she rather she saw herself as a failed artist, and mm. and so she looks back at her youth when she was young and beautiful and had this child, and she was going to be a great. She thought she was going to be a great piano player. Um, whether any of that's true or not, we don't know. You never know. You know, I was, I should, I could have, I could have been a contender. I could yes. have played the Albert Hall. Yeah. I could have played the, um, I don't know, whatever the concert hall in Manchester is. Um, we never know whether that's whether that's true or not. But 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 what we do know is that is that she kind of resented her her son having having. She didn't want him to have success. She, it, it, it's, but but we thought that those scenes going back in time to her child, to when she was a young woman, a beautiful young woman, mm-hmm. um, with this blessed child, and then she married a man who just disappointed her on, at every turn, and projected that onto Lowry. And projected that onto Lowry, yeah. yeah. And one of those really, I find, terribly upsetting things when when she says about his father that he was a failure and, oh, it's so painful. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, talking now about some of the scenes of the film, Yeah. Um, I noticed that the colouring of the film really seems to, in my mind, mimic a lot of the colour palettes of Lowry's paintings. Am I... Right and think you are you are absolutely absolutely right and and we also tried to find a quite a different color palette when he was on the when he was in exterior scenes to 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 his interior scene we particularly tried to find a color palette in the exteriors in the exteriors on the streets and his flashbacks etc that was very very much a Lowry um, colour palette. He started all of his paintings with a wash of flake white, mm. which he just put it right, 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 right across, you know, um, which is not uncommon for artists. They, they use different ones. Mark Rothko used a, used a, 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 a single colour palette, colour, and then he painted on top of that colour. And Lowry does that. So that's why I kind of started with, with when he, him, him actually. I started the film with him talking about the the act of artistic creation. Uh, then I tilt up to the to the sky, one of those grim Manchester skies. <laughs> it's very interesting if you look, Farron, if you look at his um, paintings, there are no shadows. Yes, the characters in his paintings have no shadows at all. It's very interesting. I'll have to <laughs> look now. Well, have a look. You won't see any. I tell you, and it's it's interesting. It's partly because he wasn't interested in. In, in like light source in that sense you know there's no key light or anything like that he wasn't wasn't doing perspective or anything like that he wasn't interested in anything like that. but it's also because when he was you, you wouldn't well we're both too young if you were around in the 1930s in manchester or london the filth in the air the smog the dirt the the, the smoke that hung there would almost render most people shadowless because you couldn't see the sun so it, it, when I'm looking at the scenes, particularly the outdoor scenes, I think more inside, in the inside scenes, it's a sense of the color palette. 
Yeah. But in the outdoor scenes that you're referencing, it almost feels like I'm looking at a painting. I found myself at several points trying to think, is this a specific painting that this scene is based on? So did you do that? Did you look at Well, specific- one or two of them are based on specific paintings mm-hmm. or occasionally a photograph of, of, of Larry. So that, that is the- but I made a decision early on not to try and make the whole picture look like a Lowry painting because mm-hmm. I thought actually finally that's not what it's about. I'm mm-hmm. not it's – not, it's not a – I thought that would actually be rather pretentious. <laughs> if it was the whole film. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? It would be a bit also it wouldn't it wouldn't kind of make sense for the for for, for the interiors, you see. Yes. It wouldn't it wouldn't kind of fully make sense. Yeah. The, so some of his paintings do appear in the film. Um yep. Coming from the Mill, which is one of his famous pieces. Um, but then there's also one of this woman with a beard, which I've, I'd like to find um, I, where that is. Yeah, it's in the Lowry Center. Is it's it? There. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll you have to look on our UK it. site for that it's, one. It'd be on their website. It's really, really, it's absolutely yeah. true. And, and it's absolutely true. He saw her on a bus. And he, and he was of, so inspired by the look that he. Yeah, he sort of, sort of somehow found that. It's curious. He he was one of those artists who found um, human not deformity, but human strange strange human beings fascinating. Fellini did, for example. You know, Federico Fellini. Look at Fellini's movies; they're full of strange strange looking people. Mm. And if you look at um, Lowry's paintings, they're full of strange looking people and mongrel dogs, hundreds yes. of dogs and hundreds of strange looking people. No, it's really interesting. And it, it's something that his mother actually criticizes him for in the film, that he finds the beauty in these things. So that is, that is really a, interesting. Absolutely right. Ex- yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, there, she she tries to create this oh, this fantasy world of beauty around her to, to kind of blot out her, the, her unhappiness, really, mm. of, of finding herself in this nasty terraced house in a poor part of Manchester when she wants to be in a lovely house. Yeah. So how did you decide which paintings to feature within the film? Was it dictated by the script? It's partly pragmatic. I mean, in the sense that um, I kind of changed one of them. When I was when I was doing the recceing, I, I saw this, um, the steps that feature in one or actually two, I think two of his paintings. I thought, actually, they look, they're remarkably similar. They've hardly been changed because sometimes there's there's quite, a, I mean, making films, you know, it's, it's quite practical art, really. I mean, in the sense that if you have to, you know, completely reconstruct a street, it's your entire budget gone. Mm. We looked at those steps and I thought, actually, that's rather interesting. Three quarters of it is dead accurate. It hasn't been changed at all, in fact. And so we could work on the 20, 25%. Um, and in post, take out one or two, a car at the top, the walls, and so we, we can we can fiddle about with that and make that. We can really see Lowry in one of his landscapes, which seems seem to be and another one on the, um, the, the 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 steps near the um, near the what's now a bus depot. Actually, in those days, it wasn't um, the near the viaduct. You know, which mm-hmm. is a very very famous viaduct. Um, things like that, which feature in his work quite a lot. And then another thing that struck me, and this is now coming to the end of the film. Um, hopefully this isn't a spoiler, I don't know. But at, at the end of the film, we see a man going up 
into what is now the Lowry Museum and, and we go through and look at some of the works and uh, Timothy Spall then turns around. So it's kind of this kind of breaking a fourth wall moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Why did you uh, choose to include that scene at the end? Well, I kind of thought it was cute. I liked the idea of this man from the 1930s who was a very, very humble, modest man in a raincoat walking into this great big <laughs> fuck-off Lowry Centre, walking through and then sitting down with his sandwiches looking at <laughs> looking at the, the big painting. I thought it was rather very Lowry-esque, I thought. I hope you enjoyed our chat. If this conversation has you itching to see works by the much-loved British artist, head over to the Art UK website where you can browse through hundreds of works. And of course, head out to see Mrs. Lowry and Son, which is in theatres now. As always, thank you for listening and please join us again next time. <laughs>